Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the African Five-A-Side podcast. I'm your host, Meher Mizahi. Um, and as always, this podcast is brought to you by the good people over at africasacountry.com. Today, I am made up to be joined by, uh, in my opinion, Africa's best journalist, uh, football journalist, Gary Al Smith. I think there are others that are maybe at his level, but nobody's better than Gary on the on the on the camera, writing, anything. So uh, I'm very very happy to be joined by him, and we're going to be discussing uh, the Ghana Black Stars, the mighty Ghana Black Stars. Gary, how you doing? Fine, thank you. Mighty Ghana Black Stars. Oh, mm-hmm. that will be the day. <laughs> I've been reading My a lot God. about uh, about the 63 and 65 sides. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's let's get let's start with the State of the Union. Um, Ghana, I think, had a disappointing recent in, international window in the FIFA uh, uh, World Cup qualifiers, uh, losing, I believe, to uh, Comoros and uh, w- winning at the last second. I think one nil at home prior to that. Um, but they were in a tough qualifying group as well with Madagascar, who had a, a pretty decent Afcon performance uh, recently. Uh, with Central African Republic, who I think raised a lot of eyebrows, and with Angola, uh, who are also qualified to this tournament. How was qualification? Because the last time we were really paying attention to Ghana was at the World Cup. They had uh, Addo as a coach. He left. Chris Hutton replaced him. Um, and there was a lot of influx of Ghanaian players at the World Cup. New players, I think, six or seven, you know, players like Inyaki Williams. How has Ghana been since then under Chris Hutton? And how do fans feel about this national team going to Cote d'Ivoire? Well, um, you know, the feeling after the World Cup was not was not very, very great because before the World Cup, the expectations were that Ghana had on paper a very solid team, young, talented in most positions. Um, the final squad that went to Qatar was not bad at all, you know. It was really a representation of some of Ghana's best players going into that tournament, and we felt that if they were played in their correct positions and, you know, um, meritocracy was done, they could have had a very, very good tournament and possibly, I mean, should have been able to get past the group stage. It didn't happen. And of course, that had come on the back of um, about 11 months before a disastrous Africa Cup of Nations in, in Cameroon which had been the worst in the history of the Black Stars. And so it was mixed emotions because just a few weeks after the disaster of the AFCON, the team rallied themselves and qualified for the World Cup. And, you know, World Cup qualification tends to, if it comes back to back against a disaster of an AFCON like that, you know, it can wipe it off some of the ill feeling, as we saw with other countries that did so well at the AFCON. and so had expectations up there for their fans only to be brought crashing down by a lack of qualification to the World Cup. You know, teams like Mali, who have, I mean, an amazing team, and some of the other teams we can mention who couldn't make it to the World Cup. You know, you juxtapose a country like Tunisia, who have specialized in qualifying for things, even though they don't have a flamboyant and great team, you know, and um, every African team needs to know how Tunisia does it. So, that quality is something that has gone into Chris Hutton being the manager of the Black Stars. Because remember, he was part of the technical team set up going to the World Cup. 
And so when he was brought in as substantive, everybody said, ah, this guy has been with the team for about one year. He's been quiet and observing. He has his own ideas. He's seen what was good and what was bad. And being a, a, a coach who has coached, who has, who has worked or managed at, you know, the most popular league in the world and arguably the best league in the world and done great things with big teams in some capacity and has managed to drag teams from the championship into the Premier League, has managed big egos. We felt that Ghana should be small fry. You know, that's what Ghanaians felt. What has been the reality? Chris Hutton started well. He made some big calls, benched some big players. You know, so everybody thought, yeah, that's the man we want. I mean, somebody who will be able to, because the problem of Ghana over the past several years has been that we're always looking for somebody who is strong because Ghana has always had a talented group of players who just need an opportunity in key positions where one or two seniors would be preferred because of their stature, you know, and their clouts and their aura around the team. So to give specific examples, would you be able to bench Jordan Ayu, who is loved by every manager? Jordan Ayu's case is so interesting. Like at almost every stage of his club career in the last 10 years, every single coach he encounters at his club side uses him like 90 minutes at a time. And yet, and yet, Ghanaian fans generally think he's the most rubbish thing that has happened to the world. And this guy has just ended 2023 as the top dribbler in the Premier League. He keeps being like coach after coach comes to Crystal Palace and they use this guy. And Ghanaian fans, like, just check the social media comments. Jordan is rubbish. He's trash. He's not good. Get him out of the team. So then a coach comes in and is like, like, well, I must use this guy. But sometimes, genuinely, you know, there's somebody who, for specific games, will do a better job. And so... And then there's his brother, Andre Ayu, who it's easier, I think, for fans to justify why they want, him, they want him dropped. Why? He's lost more than a yard of pace. He's not the Andre Ayu of 10 years anymore, 10 years ago anymore. Then you are talking, talking about Thomas Partey, who, again, has lost some attributes of his game. Unfortunately, injury seems to be taking a toll. And so sometimes we feel like, Thomas has, you know, you can count on your fingers the number of good games Thomas has had in a Ghana shirt. And that's so disappointing for somebody who, you know, I mean, somebody of his, of his size in terms of his stature, you know. So there are certain players in certain positions and you think that there, there are new players that should be given such opportunities. And Chris Hutton has not been able to stamp his authority in that regard. So after the first two games, Maher, uh, then Chris Hutton started going to what we call in Ghana a template squad. You know, he started just bringing back the old guard, not being as ambitious, not being as uh, bold. And everybody is like, nah. Then his record, so the football was not great. The results were not great as well. So you didn't have much to celebrate him with. But then he qualified the team to the AFCON. So he's going to say, well, I qualified for the AFCON, even though it was a very labored qualification. And that has been the story. So Ghanaian fans, they don't have much faith in Chris Hutton. Yeah. So give, give me just a, a quick answer on what exactly was his role as a technical director on the committee before? Was it specifically to convince players to join Ghana? 
or was there actual coaching uh, philosophies that he was uh, actually trying to instill on the team? And bingo, he hits the nail right on the head. What, like, we are asking ourselves in the last, what, eight months that he's been, or nine months he's been in charge. So what exactly were you doing for the team again, Chris? Like, <laughs> you've been around the team for, you know, because everybody and his dog said Chris deserved it because he had been around the team. This team, most importantly, this team, when it was being formed, we have been made to believe that he was, because of his experience and the respect around him, he was the reason why the likes of Inaki Williams and some of these other guys opted to play for Ghana when they did. So now, if you are in the picture and, you know, we are told that your coaching is up there, you've done it, why aren't you able to teach these guys some of the basics? And the Ghana team right now is unable to pass the ball, like join six passes together. We are so It's difficult. weird, right? I mean, like... yeah. When I see the lineup and I see, again, Ghanaian social media is very, very, very... Uh, loud, yeah. Yeah, loud, I think is the right word. And, and like, a lot of people are talking about, for example, playing two defensive double pivots, you know, and playing Kudus as a 10. And, like, I mean, is I that mean, necessary at home? You know? You're playing... Home. Exactly. You are playing two defensive pivots at home against Madagascar. Are you serious right now? You know, like... So these are the questions people are going into the AFCON with that make no mistake... And I'm sure we'll go into the Afghan squad proper. Like, even shown of some very, very good players, my hair, about six very good players who might, on a good day, be able to walk into the starting 11 are not available or can fight for a place in the starting 11 are not available due to injury, right? Even then, the 27 Chris Hutton is taken to the Ivory Coast are more than decent. That under a very good coach who knows exactly what he's doing, should not have a problem with going outside the group stage or out of the group stage as well. Okay, so so we talked enough about Chris Hutton. I think I was going to ask you about him, but I think we, we've already covered yeah. that. Can you give me a, a probable 11? Who do you think is going to start? How do you think Chris Hutton is going to play? In what formation? And if you could just give me one line about the players as you name them to sort of describe them for, for people that don't know. All right. So um, goalkeeping is one of our most problematic areas, okay? And that is not necessarily the goalkeeper's fault. Okay, unlike Nigeria who will say that the goalkeeper is bad. He's the unlike, one that sent you guys to the World Cup. Yeah, you exactly, <laughs> you know. So, or some of the other countries who will say the goalkeeper is bad. We are in sort of a more Mali situation where the goalkeeper is very good, but then his defense are a bit wonky. So then it's a toss-up. Because Jojo Wolakot, who, who went to the World Cup with the, the, the Ghana team, but got injured, you know, he was number one, but he's back from his injury. And he um, is in, but will he be able to stake a claim in these next few weeks in time to go ahead of Lawrence Atizigi, who has been the, you know, um, the favorite as well, or Richard Ofori, who, when he's fully, fully healthy, is the undisputed number one. But he's been in patchy form because he's been injured off, on and off. But if you ask me, without seeing them in training, most Ghanaians trust in the handling abilities of Richard Ofori, in that order. And then Lawrence Atizigi, and then Jojo Wolakot, because we've not seen him. So based on this, I'll go for Richard Ofori. Yeah. 
Will it be a four-two-three-one so, as as he's been playing? You well, um, Otoado and the kinds of players we have lend to a three-five-two. They seem to play well because of the kinds of players that we have. Okay, so they'll usually do that. Um, at the left back, there's no Babaraman because he decided that he won't be available. He said he was not available for selection. I mean, uh, it must be difficult. Just a quick note about that. Because I see he yeah. also gets killed on social media. Do you think he was yeah, he he's also hiding a little bit because of, you know, he's kind of scared almost of, of the reaction of supporters? You think that's part of it, yeah? No, no, that is it. I mean, um, he will tell you that he wants to focus on his club football and um, all that. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, it's a very sad story because when he was in form, he was so I good. Remember. I remember. Yeah. He was on. He was unplayable and easily one of the best on the continent. And when he was at Augsburg going to Chelsea, literally was one go on his way to being in the top five legs back in Europe. And then guess where he got injured? He got injured on national team duty. That's the sad part of all this. And since he got injured on national team duty, Barbara Mann has never been the same. He's never been the same. You would imagine that the fans for whom he killed himself and got injured will be sympathetic, but no, 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 no. Ghanaian fans have not been sympathetic. And so it has culminated, to cut a very long story short, in a recent match where he was booed by 40,000 people at home. Very few players can, can recover from that. And I think he's been advised and taking the, the option to, you know, they are going for the AFCON. Just let them go for the AFCON. Let me focus on my club football. Because, you know, he's played in several of course, he's played in at least two World Cups, I think, also. And yeah, so in his place is Gideon Mensah, who also was in the very good books of Ghanaians only about two years ago. He had about two bad games and they've been absolutely roasting him since. But, but he's the one who is going to be a left-back most likely, right? Um, and then centre-back pairing makes more sense. And that's why, that's where Ghanaians are very, very... You know, they are very happy that Alexander Jiku is there. Solid, solid player, Turkey yeah. base player, yeah. very solid. Fearless is he is an old school defender in 2024. I mean, he literally is the kind of guy who will throw himself at a ball coming at 100 miles per hour if he has to do that. Even so, in France, you know, he has a, a lot of respect as a sort of underrated exactly. but solid, consistent player. Yeah. Yes. So, and then you have him. And then you have Mohamed Salusu. He's been injured for most of, you know, since he went to, to Monaco. But um, he's back. He's playing. And I imagine that if he's fit, I mean, he would also play. And his stead would be Daniel Amati. But Mensa at left back. Um, Jiku and Salisu, because he's left-sided. People like him. His distribution is amazing. We saw a bit of that at the World Cup. And at right back, uh, you would play Ali Duseidu, who plays in France for Clermont, yeah? So there's that. And then you come to defensive midfield. With the absence of Thomas Partey, it makes it less complicated, all right? Another French base player, Abdul Salih Samed, he's very good. He was good with uh, his team loss as they powered their way into qualifying for the Champions League. They've not had it easy since going into the Champions League, but he's a solid option there. And he normally partnered with Thomas Partey. A revelation in recent games, uh, but somebody who has been good for a very long time is Majid Ashimeru. I have a question. 
Yeah. Is it possible that we could see Kudus play deeper alongside somebody like a Celis, or is it more likely that he's going to play as a 10 or on the wing? <laughs> or, or is this an eternal debate in Ghana? I, I, I would, it, I would it, kind it, of, sometimes I think I would like to see him play alongside somebody like Celis and that can carry the ball forward. And it's just going to create maybe a little more dynamism, a little more creativity to, to the Ghanaian, you know, build up play. I don't know. The problem with that is that uh, Kudus' club form will let him playing anywhere close to the goalkeeper, which will make Ghanaians absolutely mad. Because Ghanaians have now convinced themselves that Kudus is nothing but a goal scorer. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and you can't score goals effectively if you are playing in defensive midfield. So. Unfortunately, and he has said in two different interviews in the Premier League this season, and he told me before the last World Cup, and Chris Hilton was also asked on TalkSport on the day the, the 55-man squad came, what Kudus's best position is, and he said number 10 as well. Kudus has said he, his best as a number 10, and so we want to assume that if the man says he's a number 10 and he's played on the wings and he's scoring so much, imagine how much damage he can make as a number 10. So let's keep Kudus as a number 10. In defensive okay. midfield, we can play Samed and Majid Ashimeru, right? Ashimeru, okay. Ashimeru as well. What is Ashimeru? Samed is defensively minded. So when you pair him with the Thomas Pate, Pate gets the ball. His first instinct is to look up, find somebody to pass in the spaces, give a 30-yard pass, 25-yard pass, or link up. He almost never goes back. Ashimeru is like that. All-action midfielder. And he has the good fortune of being endorsed not once, but twice by Asamajan himself. <laughs> so, uh, so that's very good for Ashimeru's street credibility. Um, he had the good fortune of changing the Black Stars games in the last three months, twice. He came on in the last 15 minutes, once in the, at halftime or so, and he absolutely changed the game. But he's been like that since he's been a kid. He's never got the opportunity in national team colors He's, he's had some injuries two seasons ago, but it feels like this will be his year in the AFCON. So it's, it's for him. So Samed and Ashimeru in that too. Then you go forward. Then the debate starts. One of the biggest problems for Ghana that under Chris Hutton is that Ghana has not been scoring goals. Okay? Or if they create chances, there's a lack of finishing. But most importantly, Ghana is not creating chances, which is why Inaki Williams has had the juxtaposed fortune of banging in the goals at Atleti, uh, at Bilbao, sorry, but being almost ineffectual and ineffective in national team colors. He's not getting people to pass the ball to him. And that's also because Kudus plays too deep, has too many touches on the ball. So what happens? One of three things. He loses the ball just when he's going to release it, or he has to pass to someone else who is not close to Inaki Williams. That's why people want him playing closer to Inaki. So if you have Majid and Ashimeru, eh, Majid and Samed, Majid, Ashimeru and Samed, Ashimeru will be going forward a bit. He can be supported by somebody like a Ghanaian Premier League player who has never played for the Black Stars, but is going for the AFCON. But, you know, he could have a breakout tournament. And he's the unknown name I'm going to mention. I'm sure we're going to mention that. I'll keep that name in mind. His name is Richmond Lamte. He plays for Asante Kotoko in Ghana. He's, he unlocks defenses. 
he's a playmaker. He's locally based. You remember what Sunday Imba was for Nigeria as a revelation in 2013? He won them the Afghan. We didn't go. He won them the Afghan. So essentially, that is that is what Lamptey can yeah. do. And that yeah. is what I'd like. Then I play Kudus next to him. Jordan Ayu next to him. And then Inaki Williams. So let me run through it. What I've just given is a four, two, three, one. Okay. At least, um, uh, Richard Okori in goal for me. On uh, the left back, Gideon Mensah, the two center mids, uh, center backs, Alexander Jiku and uh, Amate, right? Uh, sorry, Alexander Jiku and Salisu. At the right is um, Alidu. In front of them, Samet Salis and Ashimeru. Then you have Lamte, Kudus, Jordan, and Inaki Williams. What does this do? And I'm naming this because of the kinds of opposition Ghana is going to face in the group stage. You want a fast, mobile, attacking team that will get into the opponent's box within 10 seconds or less. This gives you that. Ghana is playing Mozambique, isn't it? Yeah. And playing Kivet, isn't it? And Egypt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Apart from Egypt, the other two teams are the exact kind of opposition that are, you know, naive, not as drilled, and you want to hit them on the counter-attack as quickly as possible, get more balls behind their defenses, which are not very great, get as many shots on target as possible. Inaki Williams will bring you that. Jordan Ayu, you can say whatever you like about him, but he's going to give you fouls in key areas. And he takes good so free that's kicks. My and that's my thinking. Whatever it is, you want, you want, you want a lot of balls in the final third. Jordan, Kudus, Inaki are going to get players fouling them by the dozen. That's what you want, I guess. So we mentioned the unknown player, and I'm very curious now about this Richmond Lamptey. Um, yeah. Should we also point out that you know you talk about speed? If I'm not mistaken, I think I read that. Um, Kamal Din Suleimana and Osman Bukhari are not uh, going to be with Ghana at uh, in Cote d'Ivoire due to injury. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, Kamal Din. Kamal, Kamal Din. Din will not be. Okay, Osman Bukhari Kamal will. Din. Okay. I was going to ask you, if Kamal Din was there, would he be starting or is Richmond Lamptey that good that he would be starting regardless of, of any injuries and so on and so forth? Uh, Kamal Din plays wide. Richmond is more central. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You said four two three one. Who's on the left yeah. wing of the four two three one? The attack, left attacking midfield. So I, I was saying, um, Kudu Jordan and Kudus. Oh, you're gonna but put Kudus they, on the wing. Okay, okay, okay. Yes. Got you, got you, got you. Yes. Okay, okay, but okay. I thought he was this, as number ten. With, but with this formation, yes, with yes, this formation, yes. I got you. I got you. Understood. Yeah. Understood. So okay. he, on paper, on paper, he's going to start on the wings. I mean, but we know how it is. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be drifting for sure, for sure. Yeah. Great. So so can we talk about Kudus a little bit as the star player? We talked about the unknown player that could explode. Let's talk about the star player, Mohamed Kudus, at the World Cup. Mike, in that year, he had, you know, like a, a, a lot of Algerians were complaining, oh, Riyad Mahrez is not in the top three of CAF player of the year. He won uh, the treble. I was like, I, I voted for Osimen number one. I voted for Bunu, number two. And my third player was Kudus because of the World Cup was incredible because of uh, his year with Ajax, and then, and then now with West Ham. I mean, this, this guy is 
he's probably six months away from being universally recognized as, you know, like a top three African player, in my opinion. He just has to cement it maybe at an AFCON. Uh, how much anticipation is there in Ghana, like watching this guy? Is is he is he the the savior? <laughs> is he is he the man? Is he the messiah? <laughs> if Kudus were on this call, on this pod, and you called him and asked, are you the savior? You know what he would say? He would say, if they say I am the savior, I am the savior. <laughs> like his confidence, you know, nine out of 10 players will say, oh, I'm not the No. And during no. the World Cup, this was uh, very controversial for, for you, Gary. But I think he was saying, he wasn't saying I'm better than Neymar, but he was saying like, yeah. basically, I have belief in myself. Like these, these top players in the world, like, I, I think I could be that way, you know? My, how many players do you know who are on the verge of leaving their club? Go onto the interview on the final game, at the, after the final game for their club, they are asked, is there contacts from somewhere? Are you leaving Ajax? And they say, yes, I am leaving. How many players do you know will do that? I like this guy. This guy's moxie. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you see, the great thing about him is that he knows who he is. He knows what he is. And he talks his SHT. Like, before, and one, you are talking about the World Cup. He, one of his friends is, is one of the top um, YouTubers in Ghana. And so he texts this guy on the eve of one of the games and says, I'm scoring today. <laughs> so after He's the game, it. a guy brings a screenshot and says, he, he tells the guy, I'm scoring today. Like, that's what he's been doing at West Ham. Apparently, at training, you know, we're saying, Ghanaians were saying, oh, there's Gerard Bowen, there's Berama, there's this guy, there's this guy. And Kudus told the people around him, there's all those people. Give me two months. Like, we, now we know that's what he told people. It didn't even like, take that long. It took a few yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said, give me two months. You know, so the, to answer your question directly, Kudus actually told me on an interview, and that is on record, in the, in the, in the interview I did with him in Ajax, I asked him if he was the heir apparent to Andre Ayu, the number 10. And there's a huge myth in Ghana about the number 10. You don't like, you know, you don't ask for it. You don't because it's a, they say it's a heavy jersey. You understand? It's heavy to carry. He says, he told me that if that day, the people of Ghana wanted to give him the number 10, the day I was speaking to him, he was going to wear it that day, that moment, he was ready to wear the number 10 jersey. You know, so he's, he's in no doubt. I mean, everybody was talking, who is this guy on his debut? He shut everybody up with player of the match performance and a goal on his debut. So is he the savior? I will not say it because I'm giving him pressure. I'm saying yes, because the player himself knows that he's the savior. So yes. Yes. That's an amazing response. It's, it's fascinating to me, you know, the psychology of, you know, like of great players and, and their the self-belief they have. And, and I do think that uh, Kudus has it. And, and we're going to wrap up Gary now because we have less than uh, five minutes. Um, and we're just going to finish with a prediction. Do you want to give a prediction? And if you don't want to give a prediction, tell okay. me what you think. I'll, I'll yeah. a prediction. All right, let's go. <laughs> so for the Ghana team, you know, a confluence of factors. They are company in Ghana. There's a lot of people don't expect much from them, which is absolutely amazing. 
um, historically, they have never eh? done well. <laughs> historically, they have never done well when the Afcon is hosted in West Africa. Historically. Sorry, so how many we, years did you guys make it to the semifinals on that run? And there was so much crippling pressure on those teams, and they never managed to, to get over the hump, right? And this is this is different now for this. 2008 to 2015. 15, yeah. <laughs> Incredible. So that's 2008, 2010, 2012, 13, five straight AFCONs. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Up to, up to 2017. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, so um, right now, getting out of the group stage, is, is Ghana's level right now. Can you believe it? So my prediction will be that at least Ghana will make it to the round of 16. And that will be a win for a lot of us. That's, that's a low bar, eh? Yeah, very low bar, very low bar, but yeah. You th what do you think? You think it would be considered uh, a good tournament for the majority of Ghanaians if you're eliminated in the round of 16? Oh, they're going to receive the team anyway because of their talent at our disposal. I mean, look at the starting 11 I've just given you. They are not exactly Morocco. They are not exactly Algeria. No, but, but they're good. They have quality, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, I mean, up front, the, the front eight is frightening. And have you seen the bench? Mm. Osman Bukhari is one of the top players, yeah. top scorers, yeah. Africa scorers in the Champions League. Isaac Nyama is, you know, good plays. I mean, the... You know, we have a very, 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 very good. Okay. Um, All right. As well. So, yeah, that's my prediction. Gary, thank you so much for your time. This was one that I yeah. was, you know, I was compiling the list of guests that I was going to have on the show. You're number one or two, I think. It was you and Sheena. <laughs> I don't know. So, so I was very happy yeah. to, to have you on, man. Uh, always a pleasure. It's a, a shame we're not going to see you in Cote d'Ivoire, I think, for now. Those are your plans for now. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, you'll definitely be seeing Gary. I mean, I don't have to introduce him. Or I don't even have to plug his social media. If you're not following Gary L. Smith, then, then you don't know African football. So uh, thank you one last time. Uh, keep it locked on the African Five-A-Side podcast because we're going to continue to try to speak to 24 writers from 24 countries that are going to be playing at the 2023 uh, Africa Cup of Nations. So thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for listening. And we'll see you soon. Peace.